welcome and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. This week's transformational message reveals how to activate and fulfill our dominion mandate to rule and conquer in every battle of life. You can be empowered and gain the upper hand at this year's Global Prayer Summit from the 13th to the 16th of July in Maryland. Book your spot now at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of alignment for you. Be inspired as you listen. Genesis 1.28, the Amplified Version, talking about the dominion mandate. The dominion mandate. God's original intent and plan and purpose for you and I, and especially as believers, what God intended for you and I right from the beginning has not changed. He said, I am the Lord, I change not. He declares the end from the beginning. His plans and purposes concerning us has not changed, still the same. Come with me, please, to Genesis 1:28, Amplify Version. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. The first thing he did, the first thing before we touch anything, Realize that the first thing God did was to empower, empower. It's to empower humanity. He said, if you are going to be fruitful, if you are going to multiply, if you are going to fill the earth, subdue it and be successful and prosper and have dominion, he said, you need to have my goodwill. You need to have my blessings. You need to have my favor on you. So God conferred on them a blessing. And then the next thing after blessing them that God expected of humanity was this one thing. I need you to be profitable. I need you to be useful. <clears throat> I need you to serve my purpose. I need you to be fruitful. I expect that of you. And I have the right to expect that of you because I bless you. And the reason and the purpose of the blessing is for you to be profitable, useful, fruitful to my cause, to my purpose, to my mandates, to the reason for which you were created and made in my image. So remember, we are not on our own. We are here to serve his purpose. Please go ahead. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. Using all its vast resources to the service of God and man. That's all it is. That's all it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's never about you and I, and it's never about you and your immediate family. It's always been about him. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the call according to his purpose. That God said, I will cause all things to work in your favor. I will cause and command and make sure that the evil meant for you is turned for good. I will turn curses into blessings. As long as you love me no matter what and you understand that you are called according to my purpose, that you are not here 
on your own. You are not here doing your own thing. It's not about you or the school you attended. Whatever skill you have acquired in life, whatever capacity, experience, whatever it is you have in life, you have it for two reasons. The service of Almighty God and the service of humanity. It's always about others. Even the gifts of the Spirit are given to us for the profit and the benefit of all or others. It's never about you and I. And if you don't understand that, you live a selfish life, you'll be greedy, and as long as it's about you, you'll never be profitable, nor fruitful, nor useful to God. If you go to Israel, one of the saddest things in Israel, apart from all the good things in Israel, is the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea keeps receiving and never gives out. And that's what the Bible says. There is more blessing in giving than to receive. Whatever holds back and don't give, it's not profitable to humanity. And God said, I bless you so you can be a blessing. I bless you to be fruitful, useful, profitable. Today, ask yourself, are you useful to God's kingdom, to God's purpose, to God's mandate? What is it that you are doing to add value to God's mandate, to God's purpose for life, for humanity? Why are you here? Who are you? Life is not just about coming in here, being born and going to school and having all these degrees and doctorates and PhDs and you name them. That is not what life is all about. Those are vehicles. Those are instruments. Those are weapons that is given to you and I to fulfill God's mandate to make us more useful, effective, and profitable to heaven's agenda, to God's purpose. And when the curtains are drawn down and the dust settles and water finds its level and all that means something to you and I, it's all over and everything becomes meaningless. On that great day of his appearance, everyone shall give an account. Give an account for what we did with the time given us, the resources, the influence, the skills, education, everything we had. We will give an account of what we did with it. It's what you did with it. What you did with the time you have. And every exposure you have. What have you done? What are you doing with it? And what will you do with it? Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God is more into blessing than curses. Yeah, he's more into blessings. After the flood, when God destroyed the entire earth and destroyed his creation, wiped man off the face of the earth because man was so wicked at heart. And God said, I regretted creating you, making you, putting you on this earth of mine. You're using it for your own benefit. You don't care about my purpose. You don't care about my agenda and my plan. He wiped out the whole earth and a man by the name of Noah found favor in the sight of God Almighty. And after the flood, the first thing God did when he met Noah and his kids was to again bless them and give them the same instructions, the same mandate. And God said, Noah, I'm going to need you and your family to understand that I don't just bless for blessing's sake. I bless for a reason. 
I bless for a purpose, and I'm going to put my blessing upon you like I did to Adam and Eve. And this is the reason for blessing you. I want you to be useful. I want you to be profitable. I want you to bring value to my agenda and earth. For the earth, for plans. My plans for earth. I need you to be fruitful. So God said, receive the blessing and may the blessing empower you to make you fruitful, useful. Very powerful. Genesis 9 and 7. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply. Mm -hmm. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Look at God again. He's so much into us being useful, profitable, and fruitful. Again, to the new generation, God said, I need you. To you, he said, you, be fruitful. Multiply. But you can't multiply unless you are fruitful. And he said, I'm going to bless you to make you fruitful. And the problem with us is we spend more time with the provision than the provider. We are interested in the resources than the source. If you have a river, it can dry up, but if you are connected to the mighty ocean, which is a source, you never dry up. And we spend more time getting distracted by provision, by the blessing, and forget the blesser. But if you stay connected to the blesser, you're always going to be blessed. But we get so excited and carried away with the blessing, the provision, the creation, that the creator and the blesser and the provider. Today I pray that everyone hearing the sound of my voice will stop pursuing and chasing and following after provision and resources. Stay with the source. Stay connected to the provider. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. A right standing with God guarantees all things. And he said, and all these things that the Gentiles seek after, they go after, they kill, they follow after, pay attention to. If you pay attention to me, the creator, I will give you anything. I will give you all that men seek and follow after and kill for. You don't have to do all that. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'm the source. The, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, said the Lord. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all them that dwell there. I created it. He fed ravens when there was nothing. He fed a prophet with ravens when there was nothing. I said to somebody, I said, I've been preaching from the age of 20. This year, it's been 45 years. And I've known Bishop Nyako when I got born again 46 years ago. He was my pastor when I met him 46 years ago. Bishop, Bishop Oboda has been with me for 41 years. 41 years. And it's important for you to understand that the main reason for which we are anointed, I said in the first service, Abraham didn't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and Abraham didn't speak in tongues. None of the patriarchs, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Elijah, Elijah, Joshua, none of them spoke in tongues. None of them had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. None of them experienced the blood of Jesus. You and I have been redeemed by the blood. We have the same Holy Spirit Jesus had. We speak in tongues. And yet, for whatever reason, we aren't doing much like they did. Today, I'm calling on every believer. 
hearing the sound of my voice. It's time to rise up and it's time to be fruitful. It's time to be profitable to God and his kingdom as never before. Bishop Bodai, read that information I give to you. Hear something. I want you to hear something. It's very interesting. This is a report from the Bible Organization and Research by Banner Group. Number one, these are some statistics. 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ in their life. Hear me. 95% of born-again Christians have never won a soul to Christ. That is how dangerous it is. And I'm worried about the future because when you go to Great Britain and Europe today, you see that a lot of the churches are empty. Nobody goes to church. Churches are empty. May there never be a time and may there never come a day in the history of this house when the house of God becomes empty. Never. Come on, put your hands together. It's a good thing. And you know why? Because people got so connected, so involved with buildings and money and systems and they forgot the Holy Spirit. They grieve the spirit. They set the spirit of God aside. No more conviction. Won't be led by the Holy Ghost, but by systems and by money and by buildings. You go to England, and the Church of England has properties, investment, buildings everywhere. But there's no souls. The people are not there anymore. Why? Because they neglected the Holy Spirit. When we neglect the Holy Spirit, who is the one that brings in the souls when in trouble? Nothing can take the place of the Holy Spirit. Systems and buildings and money can never replace the Holy Ghost, nor prayer. You can't do it. There's no substitute for the place of prayer and the Holy Spirit. The difference between our church as Charismatics and Pentecostals and other established churches is one thing, the Spirit of God. They use the same Bible we are using, same Bible, same verses and chapter. The only difference between us and them is the Holy Spirit. When we Ignore him, quench him, grieve him, and set him aside. We'll begin to preach out of writing. We'll become lecturers. We'll start writing our sermons and begin to write our prayers. Yeah. We'll write our sermons and our prayers. I don't write my sermons. I don't write my prayers. It flows from within. Rivers of living water. It comes from within. Kadu has. It flows from the belly. It comes from within. It's not a head thing. It's a belly thing. It comes from the stomach. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Put your hands on your stomach. Pray in the Holy Ghost for one minute. Come on. Pray strong in the spirit. Open your mouth. Pray strong. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Feel it. It's in your belly. The spirit is within you. It's in your belly. Thank you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. God wants us to be fruitful. The Dead Sea, anytime I've been to Israel, I go to see the Dead Sea. It's literally shrinking because it never gives. If we don't Start doing something. It said that 71% of Christians don't give to evangelism. 
Go ahead. Nine to five of Christians have never won a soul. Less than 2% of Christians are involved in the ministry of soul winning. Uh-huh. 89% of leaders, including five-fold ministers, have zero time reserved on their weekly activities for going out and evangelism. No more evangelism. We've lost our way. Today I pray that we will find our way. We've lost our way. We've lost the purpose of our being and why we are here. We are allowing the blessing and the provision to direct and to drive us and to determine our directions in life. Provision, money, world, systems, assets must never determine our direction. We need to find out why am I blessed? Why am I better than others? It's for service to God. Service to God and humanity. That is the only reason why you and I are different than others. None of us are better than anybody. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, Papa, why don't you, we went to this country, I didn't have a church there, and he said, why don't we have an action branch here? And I said, no, I can't do that. He said, why? I said, I have sons in this city here with mega, mega churches that I go and dedicate their building and pray for them. They are my sons. And I said, I'm not going to come there and have an action branch there. That limits me. That brings conflict between me and my sons. I wouldn't do that. And I said, I'm not called to establish churches even though I can do it. I am a revivalist. I'm called to ignite moves of God and revivals. And hear me. Churches, churches are born out of revivals. Churches come out of moves of God. The Pentecostal movement came out of the Azusa Street Revival. The Church of God in Christ, the Assemblies of God, they came out of 1906, the Azusa Revival. The Church of Jesus Christ was born on the day of Pentecost when there was the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And I love to see moves of God. I love a revival. Because there are so many dead churches. You walk in there, it's dry. There is no move of God. There's no spirit of God. There's no fire. There's no oil. There's no unction. There's no anointing. It's dry. It's dead. Dry bones. I don't honor every invitation. There are many churches, they invite me, I don't go. Because it's going to take too much of grace. Too much of fasting and prayer and strength to go in there and break the fallow ground to even get the people to hear you. And they sit down there, you can tell that these are dry bones. No spirit, no oil. It takes so much effort. At the time you finish preaching, they have to carry you into the car. Thank God you are not like that. Put your hands together and thank God. For you, Bishop will tell you, for you, sometimes I preach one and a half hours nonstop here. And when I feel, Bishop will say, Papa, do you know you preach one and a half hours? I don't even feel it. And you are sitting there, you are receiving because of the oil. Somebody say the oil, the oil. Oh, come on, put your hands together. Say the oil. But I told him I'm going to stop that one and a half hours preaching. So this morning I finish, I'm going to try and finish quickly today. Let me move. You see, these are some of the distractions. 71% of Christians do not give at all towards the Great Commission. That's it. And 50% of practicing millennial Christians, they say evangelism is wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. You know why we don't evangelize? 
Because we don't have eternity in heart. We don't have eternity at heart. But you know what? If we live a hundred years from now, we will go. And when we stand before him, I tell you something, when I was taken into heaven out of my body in trance, I saw so many interesting things. But one thing that blew my mind, they took me to a high, beautiful mountain and the grass were all sparkling like diamonds, the grass on a beautiful mountain. And they showed me a beautiful city. It wasn't a mansion in a house. It was a city. And the angel said, this is the city of T.L. Osborne. And I said, that is my grandfather in the faith. T.L. Osborne. Which I had his picture to put it on the screen. That's my grandfather in the faith. Then when I came back to my body, I was then living in Maryland. I flew and I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma to see my kids. They were then in Ohio. On my way back to Maryland, the Spirit said, reroute your ticket. So I said, Elsie, get me through Chicago. I came through Houston. I want to go back to Chicago. That is my grandfather in the faith, T.L. Osborne. This was when he came to Ghana and held my hands and prayed for me. So watch this. I went to Chicago. When I got to Chicago airport, my flight was delayed for two hours. So I said, you know something, I think I miss God here. Why am I here? My flight is delayed for two hours. So I said, let me go get cappuccino. And I went and I stood in the line. While standing in the line for my turn, the spirit said to me, lift up your eyes, turn to the right and look. So I lifted up my head, I turned to the right, and this was my grandfather, T.L. Osborne, sitting down there alone, having coffee. So I walked to him. I said, Grandpa. He said, Nicholas, sit down. And we started talking. I said, I saw your city. I saw your city in heaven. It's beautiful. Huge. And he said, that's why I'm over 80 and I'm still preaching Christ. It was after that he came to Ghana. You know, there was a, hear me, this thing about being fruitful and useful to God's agenda and purpose, is, it's very powerful. It depends on how God defines it, not how you and I define it. It's not how man defines it, you know? And I told Bishop Jago some time ago, I said, Bishop, I stand to preach and impact nations like I've done. Bigger than action, all over the nations, have great sons and daughters doing mighty things for God. And I said, you know, Bishop, it's because of the prayers you prayed for me when I came to the Lord. 46 years ago, I touched a Pentecost. I said, Bishop, if it wasn't for you and the prayers you prayed for me and helped me in those days, I wouldn't be here today. So for every life I have touched and I will continue to touch, you are part of my blessings. Now, D.L. Moody was a great evangelist in his time. One day D.L. Moody was traveling on a train upstate New York. Then the train stopped in a city upstate New York called Rochester, Rochester, New York. And the account said that people came off the train whilst others were coming on board the train. And D.L. Moody didn't come out. He sat in the train. Just sat in the train, didn't come out. Suddenly, there was a move of God. People were crying, repenting, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues all over town, everywhere. Things were happening at the shop, the banks, everywhere. And this 
manager of one of the shops said to an elderly lady, said, Mom, what is this craziness going on in town here? What's happening here? And you know what she said? She's not, it's not craziness, young man. It looks like D.L. Moody is somewhere in town. He didn't come into the city. He was sitting in the train. But just his present in the city, in the train, ignited revival. What a way to define a man. And this is what I want to tell you. D.L. Moody went into heaven. They took him around. And they showed him his mansion. And opposite his mansion was a beautiful, huge mansion. And D.L. Moody said to the angel, whose house is this? And the elder said, you want to know? He said, yes. He said, that woman sitting in the wheelchair in your church. Then D.L. Moody said, it is not fair. It's not right. I'm the one saving the souls. I'm the one preaching every Sunday in the pulpit. I'm the man. And he said, well, you can be the man to yourself, but in heaven, you ain't the man. In heaven, she's the man. That woman in the wheelchair. So D.L. Moody said, how is she? How? She don't win souls. I'm the one doing everything. And the angel said, it is her consistent prayers that gives you the supply of the spirit you operate with when you stand to preach and do your crusade. Is her prayers that gives heavens the mandate to come down and help you and undergird you. Without her prayers, you won't be doing what you are doing. So we see it differently. D.L. Moody came back to his body, found the woman, went to her house, and told her what he saw and what was said about her. And she said, I want to pray for you to get out of this wheelchair. And the woman said, D.L., thank you, Brother Moody. Leave me here. If I get out of this wheelchair, I will get distracted. I will start getting involved in everything that don't matter. So leave me here. Let me just do my job. My job is to pray for you. Leave me here. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you should get sick. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you how God defines success. Listen, he said, he will say unto many, Jesus, Matthew 7, when he comes, I know you not. Almighty God saying, I don't know you. And then we'll say, but Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I raise the dead in your name. I healed the sick in your name. And he said, yes, yes, but I still don't know you. And he said, get thee far from me. I know you not. Why? Workers of iniquity. What is that iniquity he's referring to? If you look at the context of the text, that word iniquity means lawlessness. Lawlessness. Lawless people. A lawless generation. A people who do whatever. They serve God on their terms and not on God's terms. They run the race as they see it fit and they break the rules of the game. So you run, you finish the race, but you are disqualified because you didn't run according to the rules of the game. Let me demonstrate something to you. David, come. David, come. Bishop Obed, I come. Bring, bring me the cover to my microphone. I want to show you something. Every generation, every generation from the Old Testament dispensation to the New Testament dispensation have always received impartation 
and the baton by the laying off of hands and by prophesying over you by the generation that came before you. Something has changed and switched in this generation. This is a generation that won't respect and follow the others. I was in an African country recently. A very successful preacher came to see me and he wanted me to be his spiritual father. And I asked him, who is your spiritual father? Who covers you? He mentioned the guy's name. I don't know him. And, and I said, but why do you want me to be your father? He said, I believe it's time to move on. I said, I don't believe. You can't change your father. You don't name yourself. It's a father who gives you name. It's a father who names you. A child is not born, come out of the mother. Yeah! My name is Ajua. The, 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 security, the, the doctors will call for security to come right now. Yeah. And I said, I'm sorry. I cannot, I can't be your father. And, and I realized that the reason why he wanted me to be his spiritual father is because he's seen my global impact and influence and he wanted somebody like me. And the reason is because his church has become bigger and successful than his spiritual father. But that doesn't make you under any circumstances equal or the same with him. Jesus said, greater works than I did shall you do. Jesus said, you shall do greater works than I, Jesus. Does that make you and I equal, bigger, and greater than Jesus? That doesn't make us Lord. It's, Jesus is still Jesus. Jesus is still our Lord. No matter what we accomplish and we do. So I told him, I'm sorry, I can't be your spiritual father. Stick with your spiritual father. Stick with him. Stick with him. Now, Joshua performed more, did more than Moses. Don't forget that. Elijah performed 14 miracles. The father performed seven miracles. But it didn't change the fact that Joshua had wisdom because Moses laid hands upon him, Deuteronomy 34. The Bible said, and Joshua was full of wisdom because Moses, the father, had laid hands upon him. Who laid hands on you? If you look at Old Testament dispensation, New Testament, it's the same pattern. It's through the laying off of hands and it's always by a prophetic statement and declaration being made over you by those who were before you and ahead of you. Watch this. Moses didn't enter the promised land. God said to Moses, he said, you will not enter the land. But Moses did enter. He entered later because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And I'll show it to you. Watch this. On the Mount of Transfiguration, before Jesus went to the cross to share his blood for you and I, it was not Joshua and it wasn't Elisha that was talking to Jesus. It was the fathers, Elijah and Moses. Make no mistake. Never let success or any form of achievement take the place of divine order. It doesn't matter. I've written books. I've done so many things my father didn't do, but he's still my father. That order can never change. I can never change that order to make my father my brother. Father is father. He's dead, but he's still my father. And it's history that cannot be erased or changed. No matter what I accomplish in life, father is always, they're always going to say, that is the son of E.K. Duncan Williams. And there's something wrong with this generation. We are changing divine order. 
And that is why Jesus said, he will say to many, I know you not. I know you not because your motive and your reason for doing what you did for me and using my name was wrong. You undermine the other. I'll show you something. Bishop, you are a generation before him. So round, this is the baton. This is the mantle. Just run around this pulpit here and follow him. Yeah. Now, Bishop, keep running. Go sit down with the baton and you keep running. He's in the race. He's running. Is he running? He's in the ministry. He's working for the Lord. But where is the mandate? Where is the mandate? He's gone with the mandate. He's running without the mandate. He's running in vain. He will finish the race. He will be disqualified. Because he didn't receive the mandate from the generation before him. Therefore, he can't hand over anything to the next generation. Thank you. Sit down. May you run with the mandate in the name of Jesus. Run, son, run with the mandate. Amen. When I became a pastor, I was ordained. I was ordained by those that were above me in ministry. When I became a bishop, I was ordained. I, I have all the pictures. When I became an archbishop, archbishops and bishops from all over the world gathered here, in this auditorium here, before the whole world, with civil authority, they were all here to confer that upon me. I've never done anything on my own. I have followed the patterns and the divine protocols and the ways of God to do it right. I know where I came from. I am the spiritual son of Benson Idahosa of blessed memory. The son of T.L. Osborne and Papa Elton. Who are you? Yeah, that is my spiritual father. Who are you and where did you come from? Who is your father? Who laid hands upon you? Timothy, son of Paul. Apostle Paul. Check the scriptures. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. Moses, the tribe of Levi. Paul, the tribe of Benjamin. David, the tribe of Judah. What tribe are you from? Where did you come from? Don't talk to me about how successful you are. Tell me your spiritual DNA and lineage and I can predict your future. Mudala Kadula Hassan. This was when we came here to break grounds. This was when we came here to break ground. That guy standing there is Pastor Abu Bakar Bakar Bako. That is him standing there. He used to be here handling the Bible school at that time. If you see many pictures, you see most men of God, they were all here. You know, we have history. We came from somewhere. You can't change history. You can't. It doesn't matter who you are. You are the son of somebody. That's what you are. We all came from somewhere. And we got to follow the rules. We have to follow the ways of God. Because there's a generation that have risen. When the, when the angel came to Mary, the angel said to Mary, your cousin Elizabeth, who is called barren, she's six months pregnant. You are not yet pregnant. You are 
not yet ready, but she's six months pregnant. What does it mean? She's more pregnant than you. So when you get pregnant, go to her. Why? She's more pregnant than you. She's ahead of you. She will show you the way. She will guide you. She will help you to understand. Let me finish. My time is up. Whew. Okay. Where are we, Bishop? Genesis 12. Finish quickly. Time is out. Just Genesis read. Genesis 12, verse 2. Uh-huh. And I will make of thee a great nation. Mm -hmm. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. Uh -huh. And thou shalt be a blessing. You see, get it. Great nation, make your name great. Why? I have a reason for doing this. So you'll be a blessing. So you can touch others. So you can impact others. That is how God does it. None of us are qualified for anything. I don't deserve anything. I'm not qualified for anything but grace. And it's given to me for the benefits of others. The day you begin to think that you have arrived. I tell my children all the time, I said, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid and weary of smart people and gifted people. They are very dangerous. Gifted people are dangerous. You know why they are dangerous? Because they think they can always get away with their schemings. And they think they can do anything because they always do things. And that was the problem of Samson. Samson was so gifted, so skillful, so strong, so intelligent, that with, with, with nothing in his hands, he could kill a lion. That was how strong Samson was. And it wasn't his weakness that killed him. It was his skill. It was his strength. He was so strong, so anointed and gifted, that he didn't need anybody. When you are the one and that kind and type who think you are so gifted, so successful, you don't need anybody, you are, you are deceived. You are living in a fool's land. It's just a matter of time. You realize that you need somebody. God never made us to be on our own. We were made to need somebody. We are interdependent and connected. Everybody needs somebody. Please be humble enough. Please realize that your skill is not enough. Your gifts are not enough. You think you are gifted? There are others gifted more than you. You think you are blessed? There are others blessed than you. Come on, come with me quickly, my time. Bishop, let's move it fast. John 15, 1 and 2. John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Underline that. That is a very serious statement here. We, we overlook it. But watch it. He said he takes away what doesn't bear fruit. Anything, anyone, branches, anyone, it means persons, that are not profitable, useful to God's purpose. You might be useful, profitable to your own plans, to your own agenda. That was the problem between the first and the last Adam. The first Adam insisted to do his own thing. He wanted to be his own man. The last Adam said, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, Lord, I'm willing to lay it all down at your feet. It don't matter what my desires and my passion, my goals and what I desire and want of myself, I'm willing to lay it all at your feet. Oh, count it all but nothing for the excellency of Christ. Go ahead. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, yeah. that it may bring forth God said, I want value of my investment in you. It cost me the blood of my son Jesus to give you the Holy Ghost. 
not just to speak in tongues and edify yourself, but to empower you to stand against the walls of the enemy, to do mighty deeds and great works with the right motive for my name. Not competing with one another, not trying to be the best and the biggest, looking down on everybody and thinking you're the only best. None of us are the best in whatever we do for God. Some came and they did what they could. We will also do what is required and others will come after us. And that is the way. That's why we have to pass on the baton. Elijah. Elijah gave the baton to Elijah. But Elijah took the baton to the grave. Because the one that should have taken the baton from him became covetous and missed it. I pray that our generation will miss it. That our generation will leave the scene with a mantle for the next generation. It has to get better every generation. I was in London the other time a few weeks ago and I was studying of the fathers, Smith Wigglesworth. And if you look at the wonders and the miracle of Smith Wigglesworth, and yet you see the dryness, no move of God in London, I asked myself what happened. Smith Wigglesworth will go to, he goes to the mortuary funeral homes, and he would take dead bodies and stand them up on the wall and punch them and say in the name of Jesus, come back, and they come back to life. Don't try it. Though. I had a guy in this church years ago, I won't mention his name, I preached a message, and he went to the mortuary to go and raise the dead, prayed, 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 and nothing happened. And he said, God disappointed, I said, what for? Who told you to go and raise the dead? Raising the dead is more than just prayer. You must operate with the gift of faith eh? and the gift of workings of miracles and then the gifts of healing because after you, you raise them from the dead, you must heal them. They must be healed of what killed them. So you don't just go down there and pray. It's not just a matter of prayer. So I said, well, God didn't move you. He didn't lead you. You went on your own. So leave God out. Don't blame God in this matter. Say, I hear you. Right. I am the vine, you yeah. are the branches. Uh -huh. He that abideth in me and I in him, the yeah. same bringeth forth much fruit. Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You say, you can't do anything without me. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. Uh -huh. And is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. That's what happens. So you can be in the church, be a believer. And if you don't abide in him, you are not in the word. You can't bear fruit. And we can't bear fruit. You're unprofitable. And you don't have the protection you require. You don't have the protection. He's not under obligation to protect people who are unfruitful. If you have no use to his service, his kingdom, he's not under obligation to protect you. It's a very serious thing I'm telling you. Come with me. Verse 8. Mm -hmm. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. You see, so the true statement and the sign of a true disciple is one that is profitable, one that bears fruits. That's a true disciple. So if you are not bearing fruit, you're not a good disciple. You're not a disciple. And he said, herein is my Father glorified. How many of you want God to be glorified in your life? Give me a wave of rain. You want to glorify God? If you want to glorify him, he needs you to bear fruit. The things you do for the ministry, the kingdom, advancing the ministry. 
caring about souls, people, God's work, God's house. Verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. How many of you believe you are chosen? You are chosen. Come on, give me a waiver. You are chosen? All right. You are chosen. See why you are chosen. Go ahead. I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. See, so even, watch this. Even answer to prayer is connected to your fruitfulness. God said, I have a blank check that I give to those who bear fruit. And to those who are fruitful, a blank check. If you win souls and your souls remain, so it's not just bearing fruit, but the fruit you bear must remain. He said, I'll give you a blank check. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name is a done deal. Put your hands together for that. That is heavy. That is heavy. Quickly, Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Uh -huh. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, he's not talking about just bearing fruit. And then he's not talking about much fruit. He's talking about a good fruit. Good fruit. Good. And we have a responsibility to pray people into the kingdom. And when they come in, we have another responsibility to pray for Christ to be formed in them. Galatians 4.19 and the reason why people are saved, and for whatever reason they don't remain, is because we got them saved without praying for them and interceding. And the reason why people are not showing Christ's likeness in the church is because we are not doing enough intercession, travail, prayers for them, for Christ to be forming them. This is hard work. It's not just about the numbers and the people, but it's the work we do behind the scenes for Christ to be forming them by the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. My little children. My little children of whom I travel in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So he said, I travel again means he traveled before they got saved. Then when they got saved, he traveled again for Christ to be formed in them. The people you've led to Christ, do you spend time praying for them? Do you spend time breaking yokes, bad habits, chains and things that holds them bound and keeps them back and behind? For Christ to be forming them, we don't have time anymore. We have time to do everything, but we are never given the blessings, the gifts, the anointing for ourselves. It's not for you and I. It's never meant for us. The power to heal, to make whole, is not for us. That's why we all have to develop strong faith to believe God for our own healings. Because whatever anointing we have is not for us, it's for the benefit of others. So we have to develop faith ourselves to tap into the very anointing God is giving us to help others. That's what it's all about. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books, and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one 
eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today, and may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings. <music>